Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hey, you've reached Haley. Please leave me a message. Thanks. Haley, hey, it's Luke. I was just going to let you know that as it stands right now in our multi-game team rankings from Trivia Night, you are in first place. You've answered 92 out of 180 questions correctly. You have a total of 7,985 points. But in second place is the Scenery Channel who's had 94 out of 180 questions for 7,827 points. That means there's only like 150 points between you and the second place team. So whatever you do, do not miss trivia tomorrow night because you will fall way behind. Just letting you know. See ya. From Mill U Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 2, Episode 35, Heinous Tunes and Most Righteous Reviews. Today we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, September 1st, 1990. Hello friends, and welcome to a very special episode of 30 Pop. At least, it feels very special to me. As you know, if you've been following this show since the beginning, our very first episode released in February of 2019, looking back 30 years to February of 1989, and the release of one of the most nostalgia-rich films of my childhood, the time-traveling epic Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, starring Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. I was joined on that episode by the wonderful and talented Dr. Amy Stock, who played the role of Missy, I mean Mom, in that movie and its 1991 sequel, which we'll review next summer, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And now, here we are a year and a half later in the third film in the series, Bill and Ted Face the Music, just released this past weekend, and Amy is with us again to talk about it. I know I say this often, but sincerely, I could not be more excited. I actually woke up at 5 a.m. on release day to watch the movie, having pre-ordered it on iTunes, so I can't wait to jump into it. But first, although time and space do feel a bit less relevant after watching the movie, I still feel a certain responsibility to take a few minutes to remind you of what the pop culture world looked like 30 years ago this week. So here we go. The number one film at the box office this week in 1990 for the third week, although none of them consecutive, was Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze, and Whoopi Goldberg's somewhat sci-fi, fantasy, romantic drama Ghost, which I've put off discussing twice already, and will now put off for a third time. Again, not because I don't want to discuss it, I love that movie, it's just that it'll be number one again for the final time next week, and I'd just rather finally get into it then. The only other thing happening in the movie world 30 years ago this week was the Motion Picture Association of America's introduction of the NC-17 film rating, whose predecessor, the X rating, had been adopted and overrun by the porn industry. 
NC-17 was created to go one step further than the R rating by only allowing viewers 17 and older into the theater with or without parental supervision. In 1996, they went further still by limiting it to viewers over 17, so 18 and up. The first NC-17 rated movie wouldn't release for another month or so, though. In music, the countdown to the end of MC Hammer's reign at the top of the Billboard chart was finally beginning. Only 10 more weeks of pure domination remained, which is honestly just unbelievable. I mean, this is his 12th of the last 13 weeks at the top, and he still has so many to go. Unreal. As for our other charts, with the exception of Shenandoah enjoying their third straight week with the top song on the Hot Country chart with Next to You, Next to Me, we had new number one songs across the board. The top song on the Hot Rap chart was the title track from the debut album by D-Nice, Call Me D-Nice, which we covered a few weeks back on episode 30, Hip Hop History and Parenting Problems. The hot R&B and hip-hop chart saw the return of Oakland-based soul trio Tony 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 with what I consider to be their seminal song, or at least their most memorable one, Feels Good. Unbelievably, the new number one song on the Hot 100 chart, the chart that's most difficult to conquer by, like, a long shot, was the song If Wishes Came True by Bronx-based female R&B trio Sweet Sensation, which I'd never heard of prior to prepping for this episode. To my surprise, the music video for this song I've never heard has, at the time of this recording, 1,051,256 views on YouTube. To my great embarrassment, I am one of them. Although, in my defense, I couldn't make it past the halfway mark. How this terrible song replaced Mariah Carey's vision of love after four weeks in that top spot is an absolute wonder to me. The music video is linked in the show notes if you want to join me in being one of the unfortunate souls having watched on YouTube. Alright, that pretty much covers it for this week in 1990. Now let's hop in the proverbial phone booth and journey forward again through the circuits of time to, well, the present. This past Friday, August 28, 2020, I had the tremendous privilege of hopping on a Zoom call with the wonderful and lovely Dr. Amy Stock to talk a bit about her experience working on Bill and Ted Face the Music. I can't tell you how much of a treat it was to not only get to speak to her again, but to do so on the actual release day for this film for which I've been so excited for so long. In the journey through time, however, we ran into a few technical issues, so unfortunately the audio we captured is not nearly as clean as I typically like. So be warned, there may be moments that are harder to follow than normal. I trust, though, that at this point in time we're all familiar enough with the quirks and limitations of Zoom calls to understand the dilemma. That being the case, I decided to do minimal editing on this conversation rather than my typical obsessing over every detail of the audio. It is what it is, and I loved every glitchy minute of it. I will say the conversation is a little easier to follow when you can watch the video. So for those of you who've joined our neighborhood over on Patreon, you can check that out there, in addition to a bonus question or two. Just click on the Patreon link in the show notes. Now, here's my conversation with Dr. Amy Stock. Amy, welcome back to 30 Pop. So great to have you on. Hi, Luke. How are you? I'm doing great. The world has changed quite a bit since the last time you were on. So you were our very first guest on our very first episode a year and a half ago. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah, you were episode one, and I actually love that we started this show, which is sort of a, a it's a time travel experience of its own, uh, where we're looking back always thirty years. We started it with this, you know, the first Bill and Ted movie, which I still love so much, and so uh, it's just such a treat to have you back on. I woke up. I'm going to be honest. I woke up at five o'clock this morning because I had already pre-ordered Bill and Ted Face the Music. Woke up at five a.m. and watched it, and I oh, cool. loved it. Oh, cool! I haven't seen it yet. Are you serious? No, no, I haven't seen it yet. I want to watch it with my son, and he doesn't get off work to, until tonight. So oh, we're going to gosh. Zoom tonight and watch it together. So. You know, before all this happened, uh, all the, the pandemic and everything, which is why I'm wearing the long earrings, I'll tell you that story in a minute. Before all this happened, we were all hoping for, you know, the big Hollywood premiere at the movie theater, and I was going to fly my son out and, mm. you know, play celebrity mom a little bit with him, which would have been so wonderful. And then, of course, we are in the situation we're in, yep. and he lives in Chicago, and we can't we can't share it together by going, but at least I, I ordered it too. I pre-ordered it too. So it's waiting in my YouTube queue, Yes. but we're going to zoom tonight, just he and I. So that's the way I wanted it to be. So I did not see it yet. I went to the drive-in last night. They were having the big, you know, they showed excellent adventure first, and then they were going to show face the music. Mm -hmm. And I sat there and I watched excellent adventure, which was a hoot. <sighs> On a drive-in screen, it really because people are honking their horns at all. Oh, like, that's know, awesome! All and face the music uh, was starting, and I just went, "Nope." It was so tempting, but I was like, "No, I want to watch it with my kid." So there you go. That's incredible. I guess in my mind, because I'm not in that world at all, I just assume that by the time the movie releases, everyone who's involved with it has seen it plenty of times. You know, they never care to see it again. I had no idea that you just would not no. see it until it releases. That's incredible to me. So, well, you're in for a treat. It's fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> Let me ask you this. So when you were here last time, we mentioned that Bill and Ted 3 was coming. I don't think we even had Face the Music. We didn't know what it was even going to be called yet. And at that point, you hadn't received even a, a call about it. So can you tell me about the call for getting cast again for this movie? Sure. Um, the first time I heard that there was indeed a, a third script. Mm-hmm that I was in it was at uh, Comic-Con about three years ago down okay. in Anaheim. I was there uh, signing autographs in the Boom Studios because they had a whole line of Bill and Ted comic books that had come out, which were great. Nice. And so they asked me to come down and join in and you know, sign autographs or whatever. And Scott Krupp was there, the producer. Mm -hmm. And we hadn't seen each other in, what, 30 years. And it was so fun to be with him again. But at some point during our time together, he leaned over me and Said, by the way, by the way, I love that. Uh, there is a third script and you're in it. So that's the first time I knew for sure that they had a script and that I was, was actually in it, which was really cool. Uh, then, you know, what, another two years goes by, it hadn't heard anything, mm -hmm. uh, and kind of let it go a little bit, even though there was still a lot of buzz about it. And then last March, I believe it was, uh, Keanu and Alex snuck into the Hollywood Bowl and they did this little promo for the fact that they're going to start shooting in the summer. So they dropped this bunch on everybody and said, yeah, we're maybe going to sort of maybe shoot this film this summer. And I saw and I went, 
oh, well, that's, that's great. I had not heard a word. Wow. And so I was, you know, justifiably bummed because I hadn't heard anything yet. And then I think like a day goes by and I still hadn't heard. And then I get an email from Scott Crew. For some reason, he had my email. I said, I've been trying to call you yesterday and I don't think I have your right phone number and I just about exploded so he gave me his number I called him right back and that's when he said yes indeed we are shooting you're in it we're going to set it up and and we're good though so that was when when everything started to talk was was last March that's amazing I think it was within two weeks of our first episode that promo came out and so Aaron my dear friend who's on the show all the time we just freaked out. I mean, we were just so excited that it was officially official. I know. And, uh, I know. and so it was such a joy to get to watch you uh, reprise the role of Missy. I mean, mom, cool. I just thought it was so fun. I, like I said, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. I don't know what to expect. So we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. No idea. I know what I shot, but I don't know what's in it. So yeah. So what, when, when did you go to shoot? Like when were your parts filmed? Well, as with all of the films, there's always this little quirk about them that, you know, in and getting started. Uh, I was supposed to be there the first week of filming. It was scheduled for, I believe, the end of June. And then the hurricane hit. And uh, so I got pushed back. So my first week of shooting wasn't until the end of July. And uh, by then, they had all been down there. They had all been shooting and kind of jumped together. So when I got down there, uh, they had been already working together. So that was pretty cool. And a lot of people said, yeah, we're, we're glad we kind of got pushed back because it gave everybody time to get more acclimated to doing this again. Mm-hmm. That, that's a neat thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so then I shot for, I was there for a week, and then I came home for a week in between. Because a play I had written was, had been accepted into a playwriting festival, and it went on that week. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I went home, and I did that. Then the following week, I'm back in New Orleans to shoot my second scene. So it was a whirlwind some last year. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I it bet. It was quite hectic. So one of the things that struck me as I thought about it was how much the life has changed for especially Keanu, but, but Alex as well over the last, over the course of the last 30 years, which I'm guessing, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but had y'all, I assume y'all haven't worked together again since Bogus Journey. Is that right? No, I haven't. No, I have not worked with one of them since. So after the last, since the last time you worked with him, he's had Speed and Point Break and the Matrix trilogy and the John Wick success. I mean, he's just Keanu in particular. And then Alex as a, as a documentary filmmaker, I mean, it's just brilliant. And so what was it like for you coming back on set with these guys that you knew as kids basically, and just seeing them now as like very successful, you know, established icons, really figures in Hollywood. It's interesting. Uh, We did excellent adventure. Uh, We were all a group of, pretty much young actors starting out. There were a few a few in the cast that were quite famous at that point, but for the most part, all of us were kind of the same level. On this third one, I I was stunned at the level of talent in, in all of the cast that mm-hmm. we had. It was it was amazing cast and these people are 
were popular, very popular actors. And it was, it was a joy and a thrill for me to be a part of that. Me being a lowly little adjunct instructor with, with basically that's that's it for now me. Mm. So it was really uh, it was fun. It was interesting. For me personally, the guys, I, I'm so proud of them. They they really are really made themselves into important Hollywood figures. They have, and it's great. And it's lovely that they did that and they worked so hard for it, both of them. Uh, and then to work with them again, I, I don't know. I just saw Bill Head from Excellent Adventure. I just saw the two young guys I had worked with all those years ago. And I don't, I don't see stardom when I work with someone. If I did, I'd never work again. I'd be yeah. flustered. Yeah. I mean, I worked with Carl Weiner. I worked with Angela Lansbury and Mike Learned and James Arness. I mean, these are, back then in the day, these were huge. I can't For sure, that yeah. I, at that time, you know, things went, oh, my God. I, I would never have gotten the work or been able to do it. It's only now that I'm older and looking back on my younger career going, wow, I did work with some pretty amazing people. So with Alex and Keanu, they don't put that across. They're any different than anybody else on the set. They don't put themselves above anybody else. So working with them was like work to old friends. That's amazing. Well, and you've gone on to tremendous success in your own right. I mean, you're a PhD, you're a, an acting professor, correct? I'm an instructor. Okay. I'm not a professor. Okay. Professors are full-time tenure people. I'm an adjunct instructor at three different schools right now. And yeah, I'm a PhD, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't work unless you have the full-time job. So. Yeah. Well, what was it like then coming back? I mean, because those are accolades that you didn't have during the excellent adventure and bogus journey days. And so to come back now and there's some new young talent in this movie, there's also some old season pros, but to come back with your experience as a, as a teacher of, of the craft of acting. Uh, that's a very interesting question because my, I've always, as a young actor, even I, they give you a trailer to hang out. I, I don't, when I'm on, when I'm working, I don't have my trailer. Why bother? I'm myself. I'm on set. I love being on set. I mm -hmm. stay the way I, I watch I observe. I usually make friends with the camera department because I'm fascinated with that end of it because uh, I do photography as well. So uh, on the Gunsmoke series, they, I always loved to be behind the camera. They explained it to me. In those days, it was film. They love the big cans of film. and So I love learning about the process of filmmaking. Uh, and, and of course, anything I do learn, I take right back to students, which is, which is invaluable. For a student in a performing arts college to have a teacher who's actually working in a business is invaluable mm -hmm. because we bring our work back with us and our, our sites. So on Bill and Ted, with, with all of the brand new, I mean, just exciting equipment they have, my first day on set, I was more interested in the camera and how it worked and all the smoke control focusing and remote control lighting. And the guys on the crew are always so wonderful. They're always so happy to show me how it works, you know. And they're they're really genuinely impressed that I'm interested in what they do because I think it's fascinating. I would, you know, I have a secret desire to be a cinematographer. I think it would be amazing. Mm -hmm. So everyone else is taking pictures of each other kind of surreptitiously on the set. I'm there asking the camera crew, can I take a picture of the camera? <laughs> I would love to take it back to my students. So I did. I took a whole series of 
the camera equipment and the boom was fascinating. The whole, uh, you know, sound setup that's set up in the back. So I took all those pictures to my students. That's that's what I love bringing back to them, so that they know they're part of the entire process. What makes something great? I love we that. We had a good crew on BTV. All, all of the hair, make light, sound, camera, they were fantastic. So you got to teach that too, especially to youngers who think it's about them because it's not. Yeah. So I'm curious with the sort of new talent that was brought in for this film, the new, we, we get some new characters, which are amazing. Dennis was a particular favorite of mine and I have not had time to like dive in and, and do all the research and figure out who's who. So I'm not sure who the actor was that played Dennis, the the robot. I won't get into any details, but I, other than to say he was very, very funny. And I loved uh, sort of that whole role. Uh, I'm curious where, maybe what potential you saw in some of those up and comers of like, were there, were there particular actors that jumped out at you on set as like, Oh, this kid's got it. Well, the two daughters, mm-hmm. uh, Bridget and Samara they were, they were perfect. I, when I first saw what they were together, I went, oh my God, they looked like Keanu and Alex. With the way they move, their camaraderie together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were Bill and Ted's daughters. They just were. And it's fun to see that, to see how they embody. And, and not only that, but body the joy character, the original Bill Ted. And that's what's key to all three. You've got to keep that, that yeah, things going wrong. We can work good and let's do it together. We, you know, it's just a, an amazing message. And these two ladies are fantastic. Yeah. Well, here's what I'll say. I, I don't want to even spoil it for you, even though I'm, I'm sure you've read the entire script. In a year that has been so difficult for so many people, to have an like a really true feel good film is just such a gift. I mean, it it is so so nice to have a movie that that just feels. It feels so timely, which is ironic, but it really, really does. It is very interesting. In many ways, all three films have had this kind of quirk to them, whether in in trying to be produced or the first one being vaulted for two years and it's, you know, never out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then this one. And, you know, interesting, after we were shooting, we were what it'd be a year before it comes out a year is I think a long time to you know between ending and release date but I, I guess it's pretty typical now especially with all, all the special effects they had to put in mm-hmm. but that one year not so many good things in in such you said it's a horrific time that we are living through especially in our country mm-hmm. to have this film come out now and bring a message of hope and joy and, and laughter and, and nostalgia. I'm, I'm reading a lot on Twitter to fans who, who are just so grateful that they're bringing back something to smile about. And it, you know, it could not have opened their time. I agree. It really couldn't have. The thing that maybe the thing I love most about this installment of the film. So we're in a season now in, uh, in the world, in Hollywood and entertainment, where we keep seeing 
old ideas regurgitated. We keep seeing old series brought back. And it so often just mm-hmm. seems like, well, we can't come up with anything better. Let's just remake or let's just pick this story back up. This feels so much like, no, there was more story to tell. And they actually created something that finishes out the story perfectly. I mean, like, I love that it, it is so nostalgic. And there's there's so many callbacks to like, really subtle callbacks to great quirky moments from the first two films. But it wasn't just about like, well, let's tell those jokes again and people will give us money. This was like, no, there's not only more left to this story, but there's a story here that the world needs. And that, that may be like, sound like I'm over-dramatizing this funny little quirky movie, but I actually think it's that important. I think it's like, like I said, it's just so, so timely. I loved it so much. I'm mm-hmm. so, so happy for y'all. So and that's, that's what I think. Um, is the biggest fear when you when you do number three um, and it's are is there a, like you said, is there a story left to tell or are we going to be elongating the same one and from the reviews I read it's it's doing really well review wise which is great uh, and from the reviews I've read everyone seems to think that yeah there's this is the chapter this is the end of the story was left unfinished, and now we got it finished. And it still has the same message of being to each other, but it's got, it's got a finality to it, and it's not a rehash. It's not bringing up the same jokes. It, and and that, I think, why all those years ago when Ed and Chris came up with a new idea for the third, and I'm talking like decades ago, hmm. they came up with the idea for the third when they approached John and Alice, and Zal loved it so much that they started the process. But here's the thing is what I understand, Hollywood at that time wasn't interested in continuing a story middle-aged head. They wanted a reboot. And if I'm telling you right now, if they had done a reboot, it would have failed miserably. Absolutely. Because you can't recreate that magic. You just there are some reboots you just can't do. And with Bill and Ted, I'm starting to be opinionated. But I honestly think you cannot root this with different characters and start all over again because that that magic is going to be there. It was it was so stunning the first time they came out and it was a hit. So mm-hmm. the fact that all four of them said, no, we're not going to settle for a re- reboot. We want to tell this story. It held out. And that's Keanu Reeves attached to the project, seriously, right? Mm-hmm. So it was turned down even with that, and with apps and with two very strong people writers behind them. I, so the fact that all of them said, no, we want to tell the story and we're going to hold up, we can do it right, just speaks volumes of the, and then brought, of course, Scott back on, and Alex Levy came on and really, really got all rolling. It speaks highly to these people's artistic integrity. Mm-hmm. that they want to do it this way. Well, Amy, thank you so much. Again, we're a year away now from Bogus Journey in our you know 30-year uh, retrospective. And so uh, I may be hitting you up again next year <laughs> to see if we can do this one more time. But thank you so much for your willingness to be a part of 30 Pop again and just for making another great movie. It's so good. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I can't wait to see I can't wait for you. I would love to hear when, after you watch it, feel free to shoot me a message or something. I'd love to hear how you felt about it. Cause I'm, I'm positive you're going to love it. It's so great. So. Okay, cool. Cool. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm so jazzed that people are really enjoying this film. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll, 
we'll definitely reach out again down the road. All right. Bye, Luke. Thank you. Be excellent to each other, everybody. Bye. So much fun. She's just so kind, and I really can't wait to have her back next summer to revisit Bill and Ted's bogus journey. I'll be joined again next week by my dear friend and fellow Bill and Ted fanatic, Aaron Hale, for a little post-Face the Music debrief. Spoiler alert, there will be spoilers in that episode, almost certainly. But don't let that stop you from listening. Just make sure you see the movie between now and then. It really is so much fun, and like I said, it's available on iTunes now. A couple other things really quick before I sign off for this week. First, after much longer than anticipated, 30 Pop finally received its 100th rating on Apple Podcasts this week, which may not sound like a big deal to anybody else, but I'm pretty happy about it, as that's a milestone I've never hit on any of the other shows I produce. So big thanks to user Chile Argentina for that and the accompanying five-star review, which read, Oh boy, forget Comedy Central, this is real humor. Which I don't understand, but I love just the same. Thanks, Chile. Lastly, one final reminder that tomorrow night, as of the release of this episode, Wednesday, September 2nd, 30 Pop Trivia Night is back, and our theme is Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which is just about to turn 30 years old. It's going to be a blast, friends, and we've even got a couple of guest appearances from cast members of the show. So don't miss it. Register to play now at 30poptrivia.com, and I'll get you all the details before game time, 7 p.m. Central. That's all I've got for now. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, remember, sometimes things don't make sense until the end of the story. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1990 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>